from Matthew chapter 9. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You receive without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who it is, who it is in it that is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly I tell you, it will be more toler tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me, as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next, for truly I tell you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. The kingdom of heaven has come near. I want to start off by saying that we sometimes get caught up in talking about heaven as a place that is far away, that God's kingdom is somewhere we will go at some point. But Jesus tells his disciples to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is not distant, but rather it's near, it's here with them, with us, because God came into this world through Jesus. As Jesus declares that, the, that God's kingdom has come near, that God is present with the disciples. In our text from Matthew today, Jesus then sends the disciples out into the world. Because the kingdom is here and also is yet to come in its fullness, and there is work to be done. 
When the kingdom comes near, like the disciples before us, we are called to participate in God's glory. In churches, we talk a lot about discipleship, about ourselves growing as disciples of Christ, but what does that really mean? In Matthew, Jesus gives us a pretty clear picture of what it means to be a disciple. It means to go out into the world, away from our comfort zones, to proclaim the good news, and to share our faith. Jesus tells the disciples, as you go, proclaim the good news that God's kingdom is near. And what a terrifying prospect for the disciples to go to the lost sheep of Israel, to the people who know all the scripture and all the stories, who know who God is, and to tell them that God is doing something new. And as Jesus commands the disciples, he's speaking to us too. And some of the words that Jesus says may seem far away to us. As far as I know, none of us are going into new towns every week declaring that God is near. I don't know any of you are standing on street corners with those big signs that are often terrifying and say some pretty nasty things as well. I hope that's one of you anyway. <coughs> but that's not exactly something that I think that any of us are doing. And if Jesus' command is put into our own context, more than just what he says to the disciples, but what he is telling us, we might be able to see ourselves as disciples. What if we shared with others the experiences we've had of God in our lives, of our experiences of God's, of God, of God's kingdom, of Jesus, the Son of God and Son of Man, how we know him to be, who we know him to be? What might it look like if we shared the compassion that Jesus has had with those who were harassed and helpless? Proclamation isn't just something that happens on a street corner or from a pulpit. It's the way in which we live our lives and share our lives, our faith, with others. And when Jesus tells the disciples to cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons, these commands might feel a bit foreign for us. Again, as far as I know, none of us have the power to perform miracles apart from the miracles that God does through our prayers. But what if we listen to Jesus' commands of his disciples for us today in our own context, rather than cure the sick, what if we cared for those who are ill or suffering? Rather than raise the dead, what if Jesus was telling us to comfort those who are mourning? Rather than cleanse the lepers, what if Jesus is calling to us to welcome to those who are cast out of communities like those with leprosy were cast out in his time? And maybe we can't see demons in others the way that the disciples of old could, but maybe Jesus is asking for us to provide for those who are difficult for us to face. For those experiencing homelessness, mental illness, or addiction, maybe Jesus is asking us to provide and to care for those whose personal demons control them. In our text from Matthew, Jesus describes the lives of the disciples who are responding to their faith in Jesus. Jesus tells them to proclaim the good news, that they are going to be healing. And the third piece to a life of discipleship, Jesus tells them that there will be rejection and failure. Jesus tells the disciples that he is sending them out like sheep into the midst of wolves. And Jesus doesn't just tell them what to do if someone doesn't welcome them or listen to them, but Jesus tells them that this will happen. In discipleship, you will be rejected, you will fail, and Jesus calls us to endure. Paul, in the text from Romans, tells us that to endure suffering leads to so much. And we don't endure suffering often, anyway, the way that the church in Rome did, the way that the early disciples did. No one is flogging us in synagogues, at least as far as I know. Again, I'm hoping that's not the case. But 
our endurance might be into something new, into a new kind of discomfort that we feel in our lives today, into the uncomfortableness of failure, the awkwardness of rejection. It might be the struggling that we have when we try to figure out how do we endure the difficult and sometimes painful parts of discipleship? How do we endure when our own abilities are changing and we can't serve the way we once did? And since today's Father's Day, and although my dad isn't here today, I know he'll be listening online, and I've been preaching for almost three years now, and my dad has been begging me to talk about him in a sermon, like it's just something that he really wants me to do. <laughs> and so yes, hi dad. But also, I finally, it just so happened that this text made me think of my dad. And so that worked out very well. Happy Father's Day. Um, and so many of you have met my dad a little bit. He's come down a few times, and if you talk to him at all, you can see he's quite the character. And there's one trait of my father's that I hope to one day have just as much as he does. It's his perseverance, his endurance. If you talk to him for any significant amount of time, like more than three minutes, he will tell you that he is what they call an Iron Man. Not a superhero, a triathlete. For more than a decade, my dad would pack up all the family he could into the car and travel to Idaho to compete in this crazy triathlon. Over the course of 12 hours, he would travel 140.6 miles, 2.1 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and an entire marathon run, 26.2 miles on his feet. He completed this six times and has attempted 11 times. I've joined the trip out to Idaho as often as I have been able, standing in the waiting areas between sections to catch a glimpse of him running or riding by, trying to cheer him on. I've run and walked miles alongside him during the marathon portion, trying to just get him to keep moving. And my sisters have a picture of them yelling at him while he lays on the sidewalk in the middle of a marathon. So let's talk about endurance. Sure, my dad was a symbol of endurance to me on the occasions that he made it across that finish line, finishing that 140.6 miles through pain, sweat, and a lot of curse words. But to me, what was always more significant were the years that he didn't make it across that line. Because each year, he would sign up again. Each year, even after failure, he would try again. And as time has gone on, as my dad has gotten older and his back and knees have gotten worse, the failures my dad experiences, experienced were getting closer to outnumbering his successes. This year he won't be attempting the triathlon as he is still healing from back surgery, and he may never sign up again. But in all of this, he still endures. He has shaken off the dust of his failures and continues to do what he can. Since his surgery, he continues to exercise as he is able. He still plays golf, even though he probably shouldn't. And particularly, he spends way more time than anyone normally would mowing his lawn. It's more work than it might seem. Even in the face of failure, my dad keeps enduring. He just can't stop. Even in the face of changing abilities, in the face of pain, in the face of discomfort, he, can't, he keeps going in whatever way he can. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, understands these failures, the suffering that comes from being rejected. And for the Roman Christians, that suffering was a lot more than just having an awkward conversation or the difficulties of recognizing that our abilities have changed. But Paul tells us that when we endure in our discipleship, in our proclamation, in our healing work, when we endure failure as disciples, as we endure rejection, 
It's through this enduring that we share in the glory of God and we find hope. Because Paul tells us that this enduring produces character, and character produces hope, and hope just doesn't disappoint. We can find hope in the midst of our failures. My dad hopes to one day be able to do more than he did today. We hope that the kingdom of heaven that is near will one day be on earth in its fullness. We are given this hope in our participation in Jesus' mission in the world, in the lives that we live as disciples of Christ, in our failures, in our healing, and in our sharing of our faith. Jesus brings us this hope of sharing God's love through our stories as Jesus goes to the cross for the love God has for the entire world, for all people. Jesus brings us this hope of sharing mercy with our neighbor as Jesus rises from the dead, as he conquers sin and death and all the failures and rejections we might experience. Jesus brings us this hope of eternal life so that we can endure that God's kingdom is near and that it is coming still and that we are participating in it, that the Son of Man will come again, that Jesus will come again. This is the hope we find in our lives as disciples of Jesus, as followers of Christ, that the kingdom of heaven has in fact come near and Jesus is calling us to share in it. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.